Comedy LOL Podcast Network. We're here today to talk about the word occult. Everyone hears it. They think you're crazy. They think it's spooky. They think it's evil. All it means is hidden. Occult, coming right from Latin, just means hidden. So uh, it refers to hidden knowledge. And I'm going to talk to you today about the path that led me to this hidden knowledge and what it's all about. It's really simple. I'm kind of. I'm, I want to. My plan is to demystify this, take it out of the realm of like spooky and magic, and conspiracy, and bring it into a sober light of, that anybody you know, like you can even talk to your mom about, and she'll appreciate it. I mean, my mom's crazy, so this is different. <laughs> I could talk to her about anything, but you know what I mean. So I'm going to start today's podcast out with a quote, and. Quote is by Gary Valentine Lachman, and he wrote a book called Jung the Mystic, The Esoteric Dimensions of Carl Jung's Life and Teachings. And in it, he said, The outcome, if successful, in both alchemy and individuation, is a union of opposites, the conjunctionist or transcendent function, leading to the alchemical gold, the philosopher's stone, the elixir of life, or in Jungian terms, the self. And um, just to briefly cover that quote, what I think he's talking about is that the true way to the the alchemical gold or the philosopher's stone or the elixir life or whatever you want to call it, or like he puts it in Jungian terms, so if you want to look at it in more sober scientific terms, the self, the true self, is through this union of opposites. So it's, it's really about doing shadow work and it's about looking inside so well, I'll get into that and talk about that a little later and what that means. And I kind of get in that. Uh, I talk about that a little bit in my article, which I'm going to read also in this podcast. So, but a little bit about the path that led me to the occult, I guess we could say. Um, I started out with meditation. That was one side of it. But see, they say there's two paths, right? There's the right-hand path and the left-hand path. So I started really on both paths, because I think the other path was my, I guess you could say like political beliefs, or basically just how I believe humans should live. And it's just really about natural law and about rights. And I I basically believe that we should just follow natural law, which has a lot to do with karma. And I've talked about that in other videos and stuff. So I'll leave some links in the episode notes to this about a video about natural law, which explains it, but it's basically like karma and you just want to, and it's not that like you heard Jesus say, treat your neighbor as you want to be treated. It's more the apophatic way. It's, it's the other way around. So it's 
don't treat anybody how you would not want to be treated. And it comes down to rights. And what is a right? A right is an action that anybody can take that does not infringe upon the rights of others. So I believe that as long as you're not violating anybody's rights and no one's violating your rights, we're fine. If somebody starts to violate right, violate rights, then you get into other areas of this. You get into self-defense. And these are all other topics um, that I'm not going to get into in this podcast, but I cur- I'm definitely going to cover on future podcasts, so look for it. But I just kind of want to give you an idea of my path. So I was following somebody... I'll say, I'll give it like Ron Paul. I really like what he has to talk about. So if you're familiar with him, then you know. If not, check out some of his videos. He's still around. He's still alive making videos. He's a libertarian and he just believes in sticking to the Constitution. So that's that's one side of it. That's just self-governance. And then the other side, that's kind of, that's the exterior version of this, right? So And then the interior version is how you govern yourself, how you govern your inner self and how you just live everyday life are you is it just chaotic and sporadic and you're just living moment to moment and you're just doing your job and you get out and then you're just experiencing escapism and that's something that we talk about in my other podcast the terrible podcast so check that out it's not just about tarot cards we talk mostly about psychology um, and we talk a lot about escapism so is this something you're engaging in or are you are you following a plan? Are you do you have inner peace with yourself? Is there no conflict? Every time you make a decision, it's what you want to do. Every time you take an action, it was because I mean, not every single time you're not sitting there brooding over it, but it is because it's an action that you want to take. You don't feel bad about it. You're not you're not repressing emotions. What what how close to either side? I mean, because everybody's on one side or the other of the scale. I mean, I guess maybe like if they're a perfect sage, they're on this scale where they're super great. But it's all it's all a practice, and it's all about getting from one side of that scale to the other. And that's why I I I felt like I was I wanted to do that work, and I couldn't figure it out. I heard people talking about different ways to do it: meditation, psychedelics, all these different things. So. I I started with meditation and it really led me to this path alongside studying the external governance, if I could say it that way, um, you know, so things like libertarianism around Paul and then going along this other path meditation wise. So this is my path. This is basically how I started. And as I went down this path for a few years, I got to a certain point where I was meditating a lot and I, I had a really large paradigm shift, like a, a shift in my perspective and how I view the world and things that used to be very important to me weren't as important to me anymore. And I heard this great story that I heard, I think it was Ram Dass, the late Ram Dass, he just died. And he told the story or he used, I'm sorry, he used an analogy where if you think of when you're a child and you're playing either with dolls or with baseball cards and, you know, it could be like 10 or 11 and those baseball cards are really important to you. And then one day you're sitting next to a guy or a girl on the bus, whatever it is, and you just feel that twinge and it's like, oh, I don't care about baseball cards anymore. And now I'm into women or now I'm into to uh, the, uh, uh, you know, I'm into this, not toys anymore. So it's like that. I had that level of a shift where things that were 
formerly important to me weren't as important anymore. So I think along with this shift, I also lost a lot of my fear of death. And I think that's that was really important because I was able to not be controlled by my fear of death to allow my brain to entertain different ideas. So um, my mind is much more open now to different possibilities because I'm not I'm not um, encumbered by fear, I guess would be the best way to put it briefly. So it led me <laughs> to this path um, where I would follow, I would find different people, read their books, listen to their podcasts, um, just check out work that they've done. So I've just found different researchers and I'm really into history. So that was one angle into it. Uh, and then I found this guy who was talking about natural law one day and I'll put a link to the, um, I'll put a link to his seminar. He actually gave the seminar in New Haven, Connecticut. He's from Philadelphia, which is hilarious because this is before I was into this. So this was about five years ago that he gave it. So I watched it and I was really amazed because he put together both sides. He put together this external way of people should treat each other and way people should exist, I guess, in a society or just coexist. And then also the internal, which I've never seen done because you see a lot of people in the meditation or a lot of people who are into meditation are in the new age movement and they have very different views. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. They have very different views than people who are in the libertarian Ron Paul camp, you know, the anarcho capitalist, like no government, that side, very different views. But I, I found that, you know, through opening my mind that it didn't matter what they thought about certain things. If they had a method that worked, I would use that method. So putting these methods together, I came to this guy who was talking about it. And there's, you know, it's not just one guy. There's, there's a bunch of people. It's a movement, I guess. And they're talking about it and the way they merge it. And it was just, it was just amazing. And one of the things that he talks about was the occult, right? So that's basically what led me there. Bingo. And I was, I was very, very, enthralled and the other way I got into it was because so speaking of Carl Jung I we used uh him well not him in the quote but a guy wrote a book about him he often talked about the collective unconscious and he talked about archetypes and different symbols and the quickest way I could sum that up is basically the whole idea was if you think of every person who ever you know we so okay so let me start over with this we are the products of everybody who came before us, you know, our parents of our parents of our parents for hundreds, thousands, whatever, however long you think humans <laughs> have been along around. So after time, all these experiences that have been uh, contained in encapsulated memories, they believe that it just keeps getting passed down through DNA to the further generations, basically. So we have this humans have this capability to tap into everything that humans have ever existed, have experienced, that have lived, that have been in our bloodline, basically. So having this, there's certain symbols and certain archetypes, and an archetype is like a story arc. Think of like a hero, certain things you see in movies. So these, these symbols and these archetypes play into our subconscious and a lot of times we don't realize it and the symbolism a lot of the symbolism is used by either corporations or governments or large entities small entities whatever 
for good reasons or bad reasons, because it will draw you in. And a lot of corporate logos, and this is how I got into the tarot, because I found out that a lot of corporate logos use the same symbols and very similar. So I'm like, okay, let me look into the tarot and see what this is about. So I came into it from this realistic, like scientific point of view. I wanted to to get into it. And then what I found out when I got through that was even more incredible. Um, so that's what I want to share. And that's what I plan to do. And uh, moving forward with this podcast and stuff and with the blog. So that's kind of why I'm writing about it. And it's all about psychology and it's really, really amazing. So, and it helps, like I was talking before about that scale of inner chaos, moving it to inner peace and unity. It helps with that, moving that along. And it's, it's really all about that. That's really what the science of alchemy is. And you know, it's funny because when you hear alchemy, the way it's used in like movies and stuff or in legends, it's about turning lead into gold. And it's really, or what people believe it is, it's really about, uh, whew, excuse me, burped. It's really about sliding that scale from inner chaos to inner peace and unity. So then you could uh, move forward, aligning your thoughts and emotions, aligning your thoughts and emotions to create action in the world. And that's what a lot of, if you think of the three and how important three is important, or how important the three is in all different religions, the Trinity, that's what it has to do with. It has to do with thoughts, emotions, aligning to create actions. So what I'm going to do uh, from here is I'm going to read my blog post. That's at morelawsmoreproblems.com. So you can go to morelawsmoreproblems.com right now. Pause this. Go there. Click on my latest article, which is entitled, well, it depends on when you're listening to this. So just go there and look for the article called Hidden Occult Psychology. Seri- or <laughs> Sorry. Hidden occult psychology, silly superstition, or serious science? All right, I start off, or we'll start off with a quote from Voltaire. The more I read, the more I acquire, the more certain that I know nothing. There are two very good reasons to read the article to the end. One, the author makes a promise that contained within is a small nugget of information which has potential to enhance the life of the reader who is new to the subject. Number two, the author's blog has past examples of sober analysis on current events and relative topics, often against mainstream opinions that have been very accurate and original. Not the mainstream opinions, mine, guys. And if you bought gold when the author suggested, you might be a little richer as well. However, the past is the past, so let us move this article into the present. The problem proposed in the title of this article sounds strenuous, but the author argues the answer is super simple. The author intends to show the reader through his own example how one could apply some practical principles of occulted or hidden knowledge in one's own life, so rather to so rather than attempt to persuade the reader using only words, the author intends to lead by example leaving each reader to come to their own individual conclusion. To some readers, this may seem a boring place to start. For many, the mere mention of the word occult conjures visions of crooked crosses, dancing devils, and evil entities. The author will agree that this aspect of the occult knowledge which this article is concerned is much less sexier than others. However, he must admit, it is the red pill knowledge, the gateway drug to the obscure truth as such, 
It's the first step for anyone serious about studying the occult. And then I throw in a, an Egyptian saying that was quoted by Ram Dass in one of his lectures. If you allow the thought unbridled to become the master before you have learned true understanding, the reasoning intellect threatens to choke the truth within you. Continuing with the article, the author is reminded of a lecture given by their recently deceased spiritual teacher, Ram Dass, on the Hindu text, the Bhagavad Gita. Ram Dass uses a metaphor about an overhead projector and says each slide placed on the projector is an obstacle for the light to reach the wall. In the same way, Ram Dass explains each person, due to the life they have led, finds themselves in a particular set of circumstances. Each circumstance, like a slide placed on the projector, blocking the light of their own true wisdom or self-knowledge. So a person on the road to self-knowledge has their own unique journey to go about removing their own specific slides in an effort to see as much light or truth as possible. And then there's a quote. Only two kinds of people can attain self-knowledge. Those who are not encumbered at all with learning, that is to say, whose minds are not overcrowded with thoughts borrowed from others. And those, after studying all the scriptures and sciences, have come to realize that they know nothing. That's by Ramakrishna. Back to leading by example. It is important to remember that everyone's different. Therefore, everyone's path to self-knowledge will be just as unique as they are. Following a positive example can be a good start, but one must keep in mind that following one's own intuition is always the best path. Being able to quiet the mind in order to hear this voice or feeling more clearly may seem impossible at first, but it has been done. One popular method for the quieting of the mind is to build a solid meditation practice. This could be a very difficult process, but nothing great was ever attained without a little hard work and sacrifice. It could be argued that the sheer force of will that must be employed by sticking with this practice day in and day out yields enough benefits of its own. A person is literally training themselves how to change. How to change their life in a positive way. The same force of will can be applied to any hobby or musical instrument or even the negative behaviors or bad habits one wishes to cease. Of all the words one could associate with meditation, the word occult is probably not top on most people's list. However, meditation can be associated with the occult science of alchemy, which is another commonly misunderstood word. Most would say it's a science of transforming lead into gold using the mysterious philosopher's stone. Fewer people might tell you that it's simply a metaphor for the transformation of a person or their soul by gaining self-knowledge. Still fewer may let you in on a larger secret, which is the true power of the Philosopher's Stone is not only to create gold, but to create other Philosopher's Stones. Not only help a being attain self-knowledge, but assist them in becoming a beacon for others walking the same road. Metaphorical mind melt, but what about meditation? Throughout the alchemical process, initiates come to understand that inner balance is paramount to success. Meditation can be a tool one uses to correct some of these inner imbalances. A good example of this would be if a person is stuck in a logical left brain state of mind. Meditation can be a key to restoring proper balance by quieting the left logical, always thinking brain, thus tuning one in to their inner voice inside the intuitive right brain. At this point, 
Most readers will say, meditation is hard. We have tried to meditate and failed miserably. It's impossible. To these objections, the author could issue the following rebuttals. That hardly any positive change comes about without hard work. Or he can point out the simple fact that if you want to meditate but can't because you cannot get yourself to cooperate, it's most likely a sign of this inner imbalance mentioned above. And lastly, if you say something is impossible, then you're already beat. But instead of wasting time with these rebuttals, let us focus on some practical advice and techniques. Contrary to popular belief, meditation is not about clearing one's mind of all thoughts. That's impossible. Brains think. It's just what they do. Take the analogy of sitting on a hill above a freeway. Imagine all of the passing cars as all of the thoughts in your brain, coming and going just as fast as light freeway traffic. Instead of rushing into traffic to stop all the thoughts, just allow them to come and go by without getting attached to them. Just like cars whizzing by, your thoughts come up and you let them go. Think of it more as a practice. Try to always be aware that everything going on in your mind at all times is just a thought. A thought that you can let go of at any time to return to the present moment. When another thought comes to take its place, or maybe the same thought comes again, don't matter. Just keep letting go of all those thoughts until you realize they are merely thoughts. It's a practice that gets easier with time. Guided meditations are a great way of getting started to help to really establish a routine. Tools from apps and audiobooks have been used by many meditators to establish the daily practice. As to the benefits of meditation, some say it can relieve anxiety. But the author would have to interject here, taking the view that anxiety is caused by one's higher self expressing dissatisfaction with the way an individual, stuck in their ego, is choosing to live their life. So the author would say that meditation doesn't relieve anxiety in a person directly as much as it illuminates a life path to less anxiety for that individual. A path that if followed will lead to many more rewards other than simply easing anxiety. How can the author make such claims? One may ask. Where's the proof? The existence of this article is evidence it was written by a person who has been on the road to self-discovery, a person who has maintained a perfectly imperfect meditation practice for over five years now, someone who is familiar with alchemical techniques and knows their true benefits. Benefits which to try to describe would be like trying to describe to a preteen boy why his now precious baseball cards aren't going to be the center of his universe in a few years. Even so, the author will attempt to describe how meditation has changed his life in a paragraph or two below. And then there's a Zen statement I put in there. When an ordinary man attains knowledge, he is a sage. When a sage attains understanding, he is an ordinary man. In this author's experience, the quieting down that was eventually experienced through sticking with a normal meditation practice resulted in a perspective shift, a new way to view the world. A shift which resulted in one finding it harder to lie to oneself about certain behaviors as well as lie to others about anything at all. And harder still, to accept any lies around oneself, even if accepted by the majority of people in society. The new outlook on truth wasn't the only positive benefit of this perspective shift. There was also a behavioral shift that was eventually noticed by friends and family who noted the difference in attitude. 
One of the most important benefits, however, was imagination waking up. This allowed the author to see he can make any dream a reality just like magic, the magic of the occult. There it is, undeniable proof that occult psychology is a serious science. Of course, the only way to know for oneself is to try the experiment, which is the greatest test of all. Forget dogma, the proof is in the pudding. And then I put, there is nothing new under the sun, which is an old occult saying, which means that all this stuff I wrote in the article, this isn't all my ideas. It's just maybe a different way to put it together than other people have, but maybe people have put it together exactly this way. I'm just trying to say these aren't my original ideas. I just found these ideas and I think they're pretty genius. So I figured I'd share them with you. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about here kind of has something to do with that Zen statement quote that I said, when a ordinary man attains knowledge, he's a sage. And when a sage attains understanding, he's an ordinary man. And that has to do with the number 10. We just talked about this in my terrible podcast episode that we just did on the four of pentacles so i'm not sure when you're getting this but if you go back and listen to the four of pentacles it was released during the week of january i think it was on the 8th we released it and it also talks about tens and we talk about the number 10 in numerology and what i brought up was that the number 10 is just like a one so there's this dispute in numerology if we should use a 10 or a one because in numerology if you're not familiar with it the way it works is you just add up all the numbers. So if you had a number like I was born in 1976, so we would take the one plus the nine is 10 plus seven is 17 plus six is 23. Two plus three is five. So my number is five, my year number. So that's just one way to do it. So if you were going to take any number, if you had 10, you, people say you got to add the one plus the zero to make it the one. And what I say is you should use the 10 because it is just like the one you have the zero, I believe represents that journey because it's a cycle life is all a cycle you think about a ring it's a cycle it has no beginning and no end so when you go through one of these revolutions it could be a cycle in your life that you went through now you're the one in the zero so you're one because you're back at the beginning you're looking at things through new eyes because you just went through this experience if you look at the tarot cards you have the zero is the fool because he's the one he could be coming or going. You don't know if he just learned knowledge and attained it. And now he, just like in the the beginning quote, I know nothing. The more I know, the less I know. So when you get to the point where you attain that knowledge, sometimes you're like, oh man, everything I ever thought was not true when you have a paradigm shift. So that's what I believe they're trying to symbolize. And that's why number 10 is very important. That's why I wanted to bring it up because it has the one in it and it has the zero. So it is the beginning. It's a 10. So it's the end of the cycle. And it also has the hope and the renewal. So thank you for listening to the Brandon Bonanza podcast. Speaking of hope and renewal, I know it's been a while, but I hope this kind of illuminates or sheds a little light on what I've been up to and what I've been studying and where we're going to be going in the future. So if you have any questions, please hit me up at Brandon at ComedyLOL.com. And at ComedyLOL.com, you can also find our Amazon link. If you do your shopping there, if you click on that link and then do your shopping, Amazon gives us a portion of that. They don't charge you anymore, but it's like we referred you every time. Even if you have Amazon Prime, it doesn't matter. So anytime you're going to buy something, especially really expensive things, go to Comedy LOL. I mean, you can even bookmark it and make it a thing on your phone. So every time you shop on Amazon, you're giving us like a couple dollars or a couple cents, whatever. It helps. It helps pay the bills here. Um, and like I said, 
check us out at comedylol.com and check out my other podcast, The Terrible Podcast, and that's at T-A-R-O-T-B-U-L-L.com.